0: Blog Talk Radio Welcome everybody, to The Great Iron Blitz right here on TuneIn. in. Apple Podcast, Player FM, iHeartRadio, as well as Apple Podcast, and now on Spotify. Uh, so, three o six, Red Hunter Blitz. We're going to be talking pretty much XFL rules and changes as the upcoming league is going to start February eighth. We're going to dive into Super Bowl fifty four as it's coming up here in um, about a week or so here, uh, and then the exciting news: the Pro Bowl utah girls football league uh front and center at the 2000 uh at the 2020 uh, pro bowl nfl pro bowl what a moment for them and a moment for everybody really really uh shout out to the utah uh, girls football league out there uh and doing everything they can to do it so um i i really uh, was like a historic moment we had some footage off twitter uh chris sacco is going to go ahead and give us some footage off the event that happened because they didn't put it on the live TV, but they did cover it, I guess, themselves. So we're looking forward to that coverage as well. And if you miss anything during the week, you want to go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. That is the place to be, the place to go. And I want to thank everybody for liking, sharing, and commenting and giving us an amount of huge reach. We're almost at 7,600 on Facebook. Our goal is to get to 10,000. Uh, Overall, on all our platforms, uh, we are trending towards almost 25,000 fanatics uh, that are aware now of women's American football via our podcast, via our uh, social sites, and everything else. And we're going to dive into Kobe Bryant, of course, uh, kind of non-football related. But for me, it's very inspirational. Um, Black Mamba, as a Laker fan as myself and other Laker fans, uh, what a crushing, uh devastating day that uh it has been this this week when that crash happened. Uh his daughter himself and about a total of nine people passed away. Uh just a devastating uh situation that it happened. It's an unfortunate tragedy. Uh everybody was looking forward to, you know, the future. Uh everybody's excited that uh Kobe uh was trending to the point where he was going towards, you know, supporting his daughter, not just only her, but ultimately, you know, supporting uh, women's sports in terms of the WNBA, maybe, you know, in the future, uh, he could have made it into a bigger platform than what it is now standing yeah. on itself in that regard. Uh, but he did a lot of things, not just on the court, because we already know his accolades on the court, but he did a lot of things off the court as well. So, at, you know, just, just a bad week but you know 40 years old 41 years old and he passes away of a tra with tragedy situation with the helicopter and everything else that's happened um uh it was crushing for me in the in the in the week because um he's just a, a, such an iconic figure um very inspirational um and uh one of the things that i loved about him is just the fact that he had self-drive and that, you know, his, his whole message was, you know, you got to work your ass off to get to where you need to go. And that's been my drive the whole time. Uh, people told me before, hey, this is not what we want you to go with the platform. This is not what, you know, this and that. And, uh, you know, if I would have followed that, I would have just quit. And I haven't quit because I really believe and love the sport love the athletes of the sport. And I wouldn't be doing this platform if I didn't believe it or cared or love it. And same thing with Kobe, you know, we just love basketball and ultimately love this family and uh, his daughters. Ultimately his family was number one. And if you ever, you know, see him with interviews and stuff, he wasn't a perfect individual like any of us, none of us are perfect. We all have our flaws. We all have all our mistakes and we've done things in our youth or in our adulthood. But the bottom line is, uh, he turned his life around after basketball and was making significant strides to not just help his daughter, but ultimately to help out just, you know, everybody in terms of who loved basketball. And in, primarily at this point, it was trending where he was going to be helping his daughter. So uh, let's bring in Nate Ward here, who I brought in today. We're not going to have our regular co-host today. Uh, no Holly Custis or Mackenzie Brooks uh, or Louise Briner, Troy Wilson here, but we're going to have Nate, and we're going to be talking about some of the things that are happening this week on here. So, uh, Nate, uh, are you on?
1: I'm here, Oscar. How you doing?
0: Hey, Nate. I'm just kind of just discussing, uh, you know, my sadness and uh, shock um, for Kobe Bryant. Uh, as a Laker fan, I think it's just uh, kind of a big blow. And uh, I'm, my phone was going off, and uh, I thought maybe it was satire. There's so much, so many satire sites out there. They, you know, put up mm-hmm. this dumb stuff. And when it became reality, um, I don't know about you, but I was sort of just numb for a little bit. And I, I will tell you that yeah. I did somehow shed tears because uh, one of my he's one of my icons, you know, one of the people that I, uh, you know, lived through with him. and and gave me inspiration to do what I do. And on every day, you know, just, just work your butt off, you know, do what you got to do, but make sure you're doing it at, at, at the utmost uh, highest level. And um, and that's what he personified. And uh, I'm sad that obviously his daughter was with him at the time. um, And then the
1: other folks as well, but what a tragedy. Yeah, I was, uh, and I still, Kind of am a little bit. I was sick to my stomach uh, when I found out my uh, one of my good buddies texted me and asked if I had heard what had happened, and I told him no. And when he told me what happened, I'm I'm right there with you. I thought that's got to be some satire site or somebody making something up like we've heard a million times before, and then found out what happened. And then in the ensuing news, finding out that his um, one of his daughters was with him, I told my wife when she was sitting next to me i said i if this becomes true i'm going to be physically sick and i was physically sick when i found that out because um i know how much uh, you know on multiple levels you know you talked about um even outside of the game very philosophical uh true professional and now you know don't don't work for the sake of work but work for a purpose Mm -hmm. um very very supportive of of women's sports. I know he was big on women's basketball, especially with uh, with Gigi um, following his footsteps and really really getting involved in what her what her dad did. Um, it's it's a tremendous loss to multiple multiple communities. I know especially for the 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 Lakers community. I have a, a ton of friends um, who are huge huge Lakers followers, and uh, yeah, this one uh, this one hurts. I'd, I'd put it up there with you know, with, with Michael Jackson, with Prince and, and those folks. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's kind of like,
0: uh, because you just live his moment, you know what I mean? Uh, To me, it was like I said, on my, on my Facebook, it, it was like, like losing a family member in a way because you, you lived through everything that he went through. I mean, I lived through everything. I mean, all the, all the accolades, but, all the moments, all the highs, even some of the lows with injuries and stuff. But ultimately, at the end, I mean, he left uh, at the top of his game, and now he was literally seeking to elevate others to another level to bring attention. I think most, most of all, I think the WNBA would have would have benefited if if this hadn't happened because he was trending that way, where he was trying to just get you know them to another level of awareness and, and giving them another platform for them. To stand on their own two feet. So, um, and then his daughter along the way maybe could have been one of those um, people that obviously uh, brought more attention to the league and you know But we'll never know at this point. So, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers and condolences go out to, you know, uh, Kobe's family, um, you know, everybody involved with them, you know, everybody basketball related that that loved him. And uh, I can say right now, it's just it's still not. You know, I can still not like want to accept it in a way. It's gonna take me a right. while for me to say, okay, this is it's what it is. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, it's just just it's tough, and um, I, I just I you know just I was blown away. Anyways, I'm just like bad. Uh, it was just not a good day, and I went about my day as well. But you know, it's just the way it, the way it is sometimes. And, um, but, uh, you know, rest in peace, um, number eight, number 24, you know, um, just the way it, Yeah. All right. Um, yep. Nate, uh, how can I go from here to the worst? <laughs> um, anyways, I guess you go to Antonio Brown <laughs> if you want to go to work.
1: Jeez Louise.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> What a knucklehead, and what an individual that has completely lost it. <laughs> um, I don't know if he's got mental concerns and other issues <laughs> happening, but, you know, to have a judge say you're just a danger to yourself and those around you, that's pretty big. And that's kind of a, not a good thing for him, in other words.
1: It's not good. Not, not, uh, not hardly. Um, I have an article from USA Today up here. I still, I, I, I can't get over this, this quote here. After, after hearing all that, I'm not sure how he can say, you know, uh, you know. I put myself a bad predicament. I'm out of it now. We're gonna make the best of it. You, you basically were told the equivalent of you're mentally insane by a ordained judge. Um, I'm not sure how you feel me? you're gonna make the best a, of that.
0: That's the same message. that's the same uh, the same thing I took out of it. The same thing you did. Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean you know, what am going to do. I don't know if he thinks he's gonna make it back to the NFL. I'd I, I'd say that's you know, straight jack. I don't even think you, I don't even think the XFL
0: would take him right now. <laughs> it's just not good. Not good at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think Vince is that that uh, needy. <laughs> oh man,
1: um, I I don't think he's that dumb either.
0: <laughs> no,
1: no, no. Uh, Nate, I I just he's
0: gone. He's really has his he's spiraling. That's the only thing I word I can I can use. He's continued to spiral. If he can get any lower, he knows how to get lower. <laughs> like, and and Twitter is a drug for him. Twitter is literally a drug for him, and. I guess somebody in the in the media said, and it makes sense. It's kind of like a rush for him. He has to have attention, and I'm thinking that's what it is. He just needs to have attention now.
1: Oh yeah, it, it's 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 definitely like like an adrenaline injection. He just feeds off of it. You know, you, you like you just said, you can bottom out, and he finds a way to go lower than bottom out, and it's just because he gets that energy off of it. And it's it's ridiculous in every sense of the word. And you would think the, the talented that he
0: was, everything that he had done prior to that, uh, I mean, if you look at his football scope, it's so, um, how would you say, a, a excellent, right? The football part of it. But now his off-field antics um, just make you think twice. And it makes you think whether the football caused his men's mental, uh, you know, issues at this point that this is the cause of all that, or the fact that his personality just completely branched out after he left Pittsburgh.
1: Oh, I think, you know, I, I, I definitely think, you know, in this day and age of talking, you know, um, brain injury and the connection it has to football, you know, with, with, the, with the stats and the numbers he had and with the, the plays he made, there was bound to come a few bumps, but I don't even think you could put that as, you know, the only reason. I, I think, like a lot of people, like I would even point to Johnny Manziel in a way, I think, you know, fame gives such an adrenaline rush, and then, you know, it turns into what I think is cool is actually, you know, not the sharpest thing to do in the world. No, I agree with you. I just I just think he's made
0: so many bad decisions. And then as a father figure, it's even worse. Imagine what his kids are going yeah. to look back onto and say, this is what my father did right after his football career. And this is what he became, right? It's just, I don't know. I don't know if he's even acknowledging the fact that he's got these kids, you know, that he's got to think about. And he's all these antics he's doing. It's just, it's just sad. It's a sad turn of events. Uh, Hall of Famer? I don't know at this point. Uh, if you put it on football merit only, I would say yes. If you put it as an overall Definitely. football and individual, kind of questionable. But you know, we've had other people go to the Hall of Fame with worse things, so
1: right. Yeah, the 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 moral and personal life compass isn't exactly there when you consider the Hall of Fame. They more look at just the stats in the game and don't look at the person has a person
0: right all right um what you know what What a week to start off you know on a very it just a it was just a weird it's weird week anyways but anyways um i far, totally stoked <laughs> totally stoked we're on spotify uh i want to te- i want to thank everybody that has gone to spotify and listened to us through spotify huge bump this uh week alone We won't see the full results until a month from now, which would be uh, roughly another week or so. But I want to really thank everybody that listens to our podcast and shares our podcast and also subscribes to our podcast via either Spotify, iHeart, or Apple um, Podcasts. I really, really appreciate everybody doing that. You're bringing attention to women's American football, and you're bringing attention uh, to how we we speak to it on a weekly basis, and we've do, we're doing we've been doing this for a long, long time. And I want to thank Zazzle.com, primarily, for believing in us, giving us the platform to sell the T-shirts through our branding to help support and spotlight other talented uh, athletes in the sport of women's American football. And uh, you know, like the uh, like the amazing Ellie Mazzola, Lexi Demio, uh, Sasha Cruz. Uh, Tatiana Blaze, and many others that we have on the No Joke Football brand right now. And I want to thank them, too, for believing in us and actually bringing attention to women's American football through our branding. And uh, so it's been a great uh, six weeks, you know, give or take at this point. We have bumped up on Apple Podcasts. We have bumped up on iHeart and now on Spotify. So, uh, Nate, is just – I, I got to speak to it because it is uh, – another level for us to just bring attention to women's American football. And it's, it's being uh, elevated slowly and gradually. And at some point, hopefully we reach uh, a a larger audience enough to where we're like maybe in the
1: top hundred or something in each platform, but we haven't reached that yet. Uh, No, but uh, as long as it keeps growing and the uh, things keep looking up, I can imagine us being there, uh, you know, I do want to say, uh, much like you said, I want to thank everybody that, who uh, not only tunes in but uh, checks us out across um, all social platforms. Um, thanks for being a part of the journey. Thanks for supporting us and our cause with uh, with women's football. Um, your support for us supports these ladies and what they do and continues to help uh, grow each of their leagues and each of their um, their goals, and hopefully we can get to where we're making a difference Big, big, solid footprint in, uh, in not just the women's football world, but actually pushing that out into the mainstream sports world.
0: All right, Nate, uh, huge moment for women's sports, huge moment in the U.S. for the Utah Girls Football League. So shout out to uh, Chris Sacco out there and everybody involved in the Utah Women, uh, Utah Girls Football League in Utah, uh, from coaches to volunteers to everybody what uh a stage this is huge at the 2020 uh pro bowl a, a halftime scrimmage and these these young ladies showed uh what they're capable of doing and what this game is going to go towards the next level and congratulations to them for spotlighting uh girls tackle football on a major scale like the pro bowl
1: absolutely um I was, I was very excited when they actually did decide to show some of the, the highlights on ESPN at the tail end of the halftime. Um, and, uh, yeah, it looked, it looked phenomenal, and I'm glad they got to, to have the, the stage and the platform to be able to uh, really show that, um, contrary to what I, you know, I'm guessing a lot of people feel, women can play football. They can ball out, and I can attest as a as a referee that has done uh, multiple games for w f a i w f l and hopefully in the near future w n s c um, it was it was an exciting sight to see and i I am not ashamed to admit that when I saw them get some highlights out there on national television and give them some actual national exposure um, i screamed about as loud as I could. I was so excited. So kudos to them and um, everyone involved in making that happen. Um, just a just a huge, huge spotlight and a huge, huge um, uh, opportunity and chance that was not wasted.
0: Yeah, it's a big moment. Um, we don't have a feeder system,
1: right? We don't have
0: an actual nope. feeder
1: system. So
0: for them to showcase high school High school girls playing tackle football, Utah being the front-running state for that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the Utah Falcons exist in their in their state as a high-level uh, women's uh, tackle football team. And so, you know, congratulations to Utah. You know, the state of Utah, everybody that supports women's tackle football in Utah, the girls, uh, Sam Gordon out there, um, has yes. done a tremendous job. Chris Zacco. Uh, I mean, this is just a huge moment. You know, it's a moment we have to remember that it's another stage for awareness. And at the same time, it's on a big scale like the Pro Bowl. And so it worked out really well for them. Um, You see the highlights. Um, They played a really good scrimmage game. And um, and they're really well coached. And you can can tell basically by the on-field play. And uh, we're going to get some highlights. Uh, Chris Sackle is going to be supplying us with some of the things that happened because obviously they didn't get get any major coverage like we thought we would, they would get, you know, at least a 15 minute or something, but they were just on a, you know, a newsflash type mentality with the main, main, you know, main sports themes. But other than that, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and spotlight it. And there's a couple articles on the hub at facebook.com for slash Grand Beauties. You can get some of the articles from the local papers over in Utah and some of the things that happened there. Or also if you go to the hub this week, you realize, the historic first, the Costa Rica Women's Gridiron League will be participating at the America's Bowl, America's Women's Bowl 2020 in Honduras in March. Uh, there's a cool uh, piece that was done there. It's in Spanish, but you can do Google Translate as well. It's uh, ticaspoderosas.com, which is uh, strong, strongwomen.com, um, basically, uh, stronggirls.com, uh, it, as it's translated. So the Costa Rica All-Star Team, has been assembled. It is the first time in their history that they will be competing at an international event, and that will be at the at the America Women's Bowl 2020. So, what, what a moment for them too! I mean, the fact that they put together a national squad that will be now, you know, playing in an international
1: event, which is another level for them too. Absolutely. Um, in fact, I was just uh, because I know on our our next segment will be about the the WFA. I was looking at how they have the the Ontario All Stars. It just continues to amaze me all these different um, countries coming together to put together these All Star squads that are just um just talent above. Um, you think about where you know some of the greats lie. Well, these women are right there with them, um, and and for them to be able to field that kind of a talent is um, what do we say it's it's a um, it's a step above and a step beyond for women's football from just the individual squads for all these individual leagues to be able to field an all-star team that goes globally um, makes a huge difference and, and it's a huge push for each country individually and continue to try and to grow this entire community
0: yeah and the good thing about it is we're going to – it's more of a Central America swing, so we're going to have Mexico, U.S. Right. kind of incorporated with mm-hmm. it. Um, it's a really good tournament. It's coming up here on March 12th. We have other tournaments coming up here. Um, friend, the uh, the Friendship Bowl is coming up here in February 29th. you got South Beach Bowl. So there's a lot of interest by women to play, and then also some of the uh, organizations that supply this type of uh, – you know, platform really gives them an avenue to travel too. So it's kind of an exciting thing. You go travel and you get to meet other teams, other players. You get to meet certain sites. Uh, get get the opportunity to play against other players. It just makes you better as a player. Ultimately, it just gives you another opportunity to, get, to fundamentally get sound and and uh, kind of gauge your level of you know performance and and where you're at and that at that level. But uh, we're going to keep tabs on all the events coming up, including the transatlantic. Uh, tournament that's going to happen in new york in september that's going to incorporate um mexico u.s and european teams as well so huge huge tournament coming up number two tournament last year uh, the year before it was in the uk now it's going to be in the states that's putting it was it's being put on by the women's great Hour foundation as well um if you go to the hub at facebook.com you get to see the uh wfe two-time champions the Boston Renegades, and uh, they are on mission 3 Pete And they have been tearing the Women's Football Alliance for almost three years now. And they're heading <laughs> to a, for, towards another. Uh, this is probably the best team, not to take away from the Texas Elite Spartans, but this is probably the best team on the planet right now in terms of high-level caliber Uh, Football in terms of the repeat and second repeat and now a mission 3 that we're going for. So, uh, Nate, this is it. This is probably the best uh, women's football team on the planet, bar none, the Boston Renegades.
1: If we haven't found somebody to stop them by now, there's no hope for anybody. (laughs) No, no. And last year, they (laughs) steamrolled. This year is very
0: interesting. The WFA did uh, really good, and I don't know if it has to do with the Boston organization and the WFA and maybe us talking about it and our feedback and, and everybody talking about it. Everybody wants the champs to play the best of the best, right? And their schedule this year is is just really excellent. So whoever put up the – whoever made the Boston Renegade schedule, you know, shout out to the WFA leadership the schedule is top-notch. They get New York Wolves, which is a Tier 2, right in their backyard. Mm-hmm. The New York Wolves are in the playoffs last year. Then they get their arch-rivals, D.C. Divas, twice. They get them in uh, April, and then they get them in May. And they usually get them in, in the playoffs, as it ends up usually towards the end. But there you go. Then, what do you do? The The playoff teams from last year... You get Minnesota Vixen, Detroit Dark Angels, and the St. Louis Slam to take against the champs. This is a, a dream come true schedule. If you put it together, this dream come true. You're, the 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 champs are going to take on the tier two top quality teams from last year, and they're going to take on the champions from last year and the runner-up from last year. Pretty cool.
1: Can, can we just call their season schedule the playoffs and just call it good right there? At, at this point, yeah, it is. You're on point. This is
0: a playoff schedule. It really is. It is a tested schedule. Uh, but you know what? This is what we need. And and they're not they're not stepping away. I mean, look at this way. They put those teams on their schedule to prove to everybody that this is the elite team in the nation. All we need now is for them to steamroll. The schedule, if that's what they're going to do, and then we get the question of can they take on Dallas Elite, or can they take on Dallas Elite Spartans, or take on maybe a Utah Falcons, right?
1: Right, exactly. Um, you know, lot to prove, but like you said, they 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 chose the schedule, they they wrote it up, and signed on the dotted line. So if they feel confident enough to to do this, then by all means, go for it. <laughs> I'm thinking
0: in the method that they've done this, do you think it's New England Patriots style? Because this is what it is. They're Boston. Town, right? Town pride. They want to show everybody this is the, elite, the, the best team in the nation. They want to show that this is probably one of the best teams, if not the best team on the planet. And I think that schedule right there says it. They take on New York twice. They take on D.C. twice. They, uh, they take on Cleveland, which it much improved Cleveland squad, and this is probably mm-hmm. an honor for Cleveland to take on the champs. This is this is a huge moment for the Fusion to take on the champs at their home on the road. They're going to show up, and it's going to be a big test for 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 the Fusion. Then Minnesota, this is this is a big test for Minnesota too, if because they're Tier One mm-hmm. now this year, big test for them. Detroit, what a season last year for Detroit to make it all the way stellar. to the playoffs and then obviously ended in a sad note in uh, in the final. But uh, what a season for them. And shout out to our Nojo football athlete, Tatiana Blaze, out there on the Detroit Dark Angels. And this is a big test. We're going to get to see Tatiana Blaze taking on Ruth Mata, of all people. <sighs> this is Ruth huh? Mata, Tatiana Blaze. Uh, I don't know if. I don't know if anybody doesn't get excited, but this is excitement right here. International, international running back from U, uh, from uh, Bur- Birmingham uh, Lions out of the sp- Sapphire of the uh, British American Football Association. And then we get last year's top running back, uh, Tatiana Blaze from the Detroit Dark Angels. And on, if you want to top it off, May 30th is where you circle it. You circle May 30th because that is when – the two-time champions, St. Louis Slam, will take on two-time champion, Boston Renegades. <laughs> who will be the best team in the WFA? The Tier 2 champions against Tier 1 champions. Who would have thought this moment would be here? And it is here. May 30th is where you want to be. That's the circle. Circle May 30th.
1: That's That's it right there. Um, to answer your point, yeah, uh, this is definitely very uh, Patriot-esque, and it only seems right because it is Boston, and uh, they are the women's Patriots at this point, and that will definitely be the matchup to uh, prove once and for all uh, if they are for real.
0: Yeah, we get to, we get to this 2020, so shout-out to Lisa King. Shout-out to all the owners in the WFA uh, and also to yes. Molly Goodwin and the Boston Renegades organization for – this is – I don't know. When I saw this schedule, I am just, like, tickled pink. I, I just – I wish the season started tomorrow just to get it rolling. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, I know. Because this is what it's going to be. I mean,
0: it's going to be the Boston, D.C. You get You get drama. And then we get – on May 30th, we get to see last year's Tier 2 champion against the champs. Tier one champions, Renegades. I mean, that, that just that's an awesome, awesome slate of games right there. Eight and last year they went eight and zero. Nate, this could be running the table again. And if they run the table this year, more impressive I think than even last year.
1: Oh, I think at that point, I think you know there there's enough evidence right there. They're unstoppable. I think you know, like you said, eight and zero last year ran the card the year before. have been stellar, but stacking the deck against yourself, putting the best of the best out here that you've probably faced before, but they're learning from you. And does it have to start on April? Can we just start like next week? This is killing me. I know this is
0: exciting. So uh, shout out to, uh, you know, Adrian Smith out there, Allison Cahill and everybody in the Renegades organization. And this is, this is, I just saw the schedule and I'm just like, totally excited for the season to kick off. This this is probably what we wanted. You want to elevate women's uh, tackle football to another level. The WFA with the Renegade schedule just did that. And they get to face Saint Louis, this is it. they get to yeah. face Minnesota and they get to face Detroit, which is the last year's playoff teams in tier 2. So yeah. This is what you, this is this is what we wanted. We got it. And uh I guess we want to say thank you. Thank you to Lisa King and the WFA owners, because thank you, thank you, thank we you, thank can't you. wait for April 11th to kick off and uh, see what this renegade team is going to do against this top-notch schedule. D.C. twice, Minnesota, Detroit, St. Louis. Don't take anything away from New York and Cleveland, but bottom line is, what, five of those games are against top-level uh, Division Two last-year teams, and then their arch-rivals as well. So it, oh my god. And if you're interested, Goosebumps. you get a hold of your favorite Renegade for the season to get tickets. So you go bostonrenegades.com and the tickets are only 50 bucks. Worth the price. So uh we uh our staff when they came, the schedule came out, we are going to probably uh buy some tickets to give away some tickets for people to be there on May 30th. I think that's the, what we want to do. So coming forward here, we're probably going to do where we can buy a ticket for somebody from the May 30th date because you got to be in St. Louis, May 30th, St. Louis. It is Tier 1 champions of 2019 against Tier uh, Tier 2 champions as well. And that's going to be a date you want to be. And it's going to be in the Gateway City. What other place can you have it? Uh,
1: Nowhere else, no better place. St. Louis. So the
0: WFA, WFA schedule is out. Go to WFA um, You get the schedule there at this point. Uh we were going with uh hashtag Beantown Glory. So we we'll hopefully, hopefully it'll stick. But I, I think that's what we need to bring back. Beantown Glory. And I think they're Beantown gonna make it glory. Beantown Glory. I like um, it. Um they're using they're using uh, hashtag mission three P, which also works pretty well.
1: Yeah, that works pretty strong, too.
0: Yeah. So go to WFAProFootball.com, uh, get the 2020 schedule. We're going to be diving in next week to another schedule. So the Renegade schedule this week, we're going to dive in next Tuesday to a couple two two other schedules. We're going to look at the St. Louis Slam schedules. We're going to look at the uh, Detroit Dark Angels, uh, the Minnesota Vixen. We're going to dive into each of the playoff team's schedule for this 2020 and see what they're going to be able – How are they going to be able to impact and maybe return to the playoffs again? Because that's the conversation we got to have. How will they return to the playoffs once they've been so competitive at this? But a competitive schedule, same goal, hashtag Beantown Glory, and that is for the Boston Renegades. So shout out to the WFA and the Boston Renegades organization for putting up this awesome schedule for 2020. It's going to be great. And if you want to follow the WFA, you go to WFAProFootball.com. And you get your team there, get tickets. Uh, You can email the teams how to get tickets. And you want to be there. Certainly you want to be in uh, St. Louis on the 30th. That is probably the date you want to be there on the 30th. Um, And if you follow Women's Football Alliance on Facebook as well and on Twitter and on uh, on Instagram as well. All right, Nate, uh, where are we going here? I think we had XFL rules. This is where I was diving into xfl kicks off uh, xfl kicks off on february 8th you're on the seattle dragons bandwagon and currently i'm on the la wildcats bandwagon so no real loyalty yet until they can prove to us at least one season in what they're what they're able to do it here but um so far anticipation is there they're going to be on major networks fox uh, obviously is one of their networks as well Uh, so vince mcmahon moves wwe to fox and uh, it's a, no coincidence that now we have Fox and XFL on Fox.
1: Oh, no coincidence at all. No. Um, I'm I'm not too surprised. I, I kind of had a feeling when they were making the big the move to being under the Fox Sports banner that something was coming up if he was also announcing the XFL at the same time. But, you know, it's also pretty impressive that he's also got ABC, ESPN under his belt, too. So there's something to be said for that.
0: I think he planned it more thoroughly this time and not knee-jerked it like he did last time. And if he does it right, uh, I, I guess Commissioner Luck will see how he, you know, evolves with the brand, um, sort of like every other commissioner in the NFL did. So tagaloo to uh, you know Goodell. So we'll see what uh, what Commissioner Luck's going to do here with the branding. Year one, we we know. What happened to AAF? It just seems to me like this is more self – more structured, and there's a lot of things to uh, – I don't think Vince is going in here uh, thinking he wants to lose money, basically. I think this time around he really wants to make sure that it's, it's going to generate a profit.
1: Yeah, I don't think – um, when you sell off stocks of your other company, make a brand new company, and then on top of that, put in seven hundred million dollars that you're going into half asset. Um, I I think with the fact that I think the biggest part of this that really sticks out is the fact that rather than quickly throw it together in a matter of months like the previous XFL or an under or about a year like the Alliance did, they gave this two years and spent that entire two years with a secondary league that's known for um bringing in scouts from across the football world spend two years with those guys experimenting and testing out every aspect of the game getting feedback from actual players and coaches and putting that all together rather than just saying you know we're going to throw together a rule book we're going to put together rosters and we're just going to hope for the best they have put vince has put the effort into it to show that he's not He's not ready to mess up this time. And I, I think, you know, as, as we get deeper into the season, I think we'll see if that, that plan worked or if it'll fall in the same vein as other leagues that have said the same thing. Um, I think the biggest test, and I think the biggest way to know that um, it's working out better for them than it has previous leagues that have folded in various ways is if they actually make it through a full season, they can say, without needing the cushion that he's put forth, um because he says he put money forth for it to survive for three seasons without needing to gain a profit. The way that this will truly tell is if under this first season, they turn a profit by the end of the year and it doesn't take them more than that.
0: Yeah. I think the money part is really what was a detriment to AAF because there was no guarantees for them. Similar to the arena football league, you know, the arena football league, uh, everybody comes in with a notion of expansion too fast. They don't understand stability. They don't understand market branding and you know all this stuff. And a lot of a lot of times, you go nationwide, but you don't understand all the logistics that it requires to go nationwide. So, I I, I really think Vince kind of had it at this point where, um, the rumor has it, if the XFL doesn't continue beyond 2020, that it won't be because of finances pretty much could be because of anything else that happens, you know, maybe uh the shares get sold of WWE and and that affects him in in a lot of ways. Um so right. rumor has it that that's the only other option that you would have if something happens on the other end. So financing is not an issue. I think there was an article on anthony Sports I think I I sent it to you. anthony Sports did a kind of a five things of why it you know, this is a better league. The media partners are better. The money is obviously accessible. Like to your point, it's already been kind of allocated for a certain period of time. So there's, it's not like the AF where they're trying to survive month to month in, in, in a sense, the team locations are major markets and they're located in NFL markets. So if they gather a fanfare uh, you know, like Los Angeles and New York, then it could be a situation where it could survive still. Because it's on a spring league. Kind of the same thing with Dallas and Houston and Washington. Right. So it's not like they went into Birmingham or Memphis, right, as an example. Um yeah. they didn't do that. Because he knows obviously the demographics are there. The I think the only area of concern would be um St. Louis. How well will it will they do in St. Louis is really the only area of concern. Because every other every other city is in a major market and it, it has an NFL
1: partner market. Right. No. Yeah. And I, I think you're right on that. I think the the St. Louis has a big question mark. I mean, you look know, across various fan pages and across the XFL pages, there's a lot of people that are, you know, saying they they support them and show support of them. But my question becomes, how much loyalty do you put in a team if you know your last team got pulled out from underneath you, and there is no mm-hmm. guarantee that this team could last with or without your support. Right, your, and then they didn't go, your, your they didn't go
0: into. They didn't go into you know Vegas. They didn't go into Orlando again. They didn't go into Memphis or Birmingham, exactly. things like that. So they, they, I think Vince kind of relayed that they didn't even go into San Francisco. You would think the Raiders leaving, or them knowing that the Raiders were leaving, uh, you would have thought maybe they'd put a team in the Bay Area, right, to compete with, kind of the fanfare with the Raiders leaving. But they already know. Uh, Oakland's not a good market, given the fact that the, the the Raiders have come and gone in in the market back and forth, and they can't get a stadium deal and everything else. So, you know, s- say goodbye to the San Francisco Demons. Uh, they're not revi—they're not reviving that 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 squad.
1: Right. Yeah. No. Um, and we saw enough. You know, even even right at the the tail end when the Raiders were still a thing and they're finishing up this last season, we saw that you know, we saw exactly how far loyalty goes. I mean, the headline spoke for himself when we started seeing you know, debris on the field and a couple security guards hit. I mean, if I were Vince, it was probably the smartest thing in the world not to put a team down there. If you knew that that's the reaction you're going to get, if they end up having to to close up shop or leave town, that you don't, you don't want that. And you don't want that stain on any track record for that matter.
0: And then you're taking a gamble when you go into Birmingham, Memphis, Orlando, Vegas, right? Because some of those some of those cities are basically hardcore college football towns and pro football isn't really you know, they don't breathe it as much uh in in, in a sense. So the really the sustainability is really the question, it's like with the smaller markets, can you know, uh can they be sustained? And I think he's swayed from that and I think the only question mark is Saint Louis, is, is can the Battlehawks survive? a season two or three, we will see how loyal, in other words, to your point, we'll see how loyal the, you know, the the St. Louis base uh, is going to support the team.
1: Right. Well, we we saw that with the Alliance that you you pointed out, you know, Memphis, Birmingham, those, those areas, um, especially with, you know, the teams, the Alliance plays there, you know, they always say talk is cheap Well, you saw, you know, you look at comments across the board and public opinion, it's like, well, you know, they were popular and fans showed up. Well, but not enough as per se to um, uh, not as many people as you would get for a college game in that same stadium, not even half of that. So, you know, there's, there's risk and reward, but you can always avoid that risk. And we will see, um, he avoided that risk with, Seven out of eight teams being in places that are known uh, football-loving cities. Uh, I know a lot of people complained and said, "Well, why are you putting them in these big towns where you've got, you know, Seahawks, you've got um, Texans, you've got all these big-name teams?" It's because those fan bases are established and they know that they're football-loving cities. Start there and work your way through. The big question mark, like we both said, will be St. Louis. Will they show up? Will they support a team? if they have that knowledge in the back of their mind, that this team may not last and be pulled out from under them like the Rams were.
0: Right. Well, the good thing is the coaching pedigree or the eight coaches that, um, commissioner luck hired for this season coming up here are all, they all have proven track records as both head coaches and assistants in both college and pros. So that's a good sign. Um, I think, uh, Gilbride in New York, Obviously, he won uh, Super Bowls in, with the Giants. Uh, Hamilton, mm-hmm. uh, you know, also in D.C. You have, Chad, uh what you call it, uh, Jonathan Hayes in St. Louis, uh, who also played with Marvin Lewis. And then you got Mark Tressman who was in Chicago and now Tampa Bay. And then you have Bob Stoops uh, also. And then you have Winston Moss as well. So there's, there's some good-name coaches there that they can build off to, uh, you know, help elevate the game, their game at this point.
1: Yeah. And there are, um, all, all eight of them. Uh, you know, I'm looking at that article you sent me, um, you know, like you said, their, their, their pedigree and their experience speak for himself. You know, there's, I mean, that's not, that's not to to dismiss any coaches that have done previous, <laughs> experimental or spring leagues um, you know you have to have a background but you also have to have the people around you and so to have these coaches with players that have known track record as well you're, you're putting together a winning combination without even having played it down yet and that's a huge that's huge boost and a huge pickup that fans look for in in any league and that could be the same with I mean you look back over the we're in the hundred. We're finishing up the hundredth year of the NFL. You look back over a hundred years, there are tons of teams that have, you know, expanded this league, starting from the original eight and working their way up. That I'm pretty sure they had, you know, fans who had their doubts, but they had fans who looked at the info, looked at the coaching and player combinations, and went, "This can work." And we have that here. If the coaches' records are what they are, and they have incredible backgrounds and the players are who they say they are and they have shown who they are in college, then there's a good chance that this combination can work and everybody's success will show off in the XFL and help it to succeed.
0: All right, Nick, you're a referee, so the rules are intended to produce more kick returns to wait off a team from punting by moving the ball to the 35-yard line on a touchback. You also have a rule allowing two forward passes on a single play as long as the first pass doesn't cross the line of scrimmage. Um, what's the other rule? The league will also use a shootout-style overtime format, kind of like the NHL does. Uh, each, me- each major rule change basically tries to affect it. So the kickoff, uh, on the kickoff, 10 players from the receiving team will line up on their own 30. The kickoff coverage team lines up at five yards away on the 35. Uh, Both teams are required to have three players outside the hash marks on each side and four between the hash marks. The cross proximity of the two teams is extended to limit the high-speed collisions that contribute to concussions, of course. Um, What's the other rule that we had here? Punts. The punt rule eliminates the coffin corner punt by spotting any kick that goes out of bounds at the 35-yard line. The same goes for any punt that travels into the end zone. So those are kind of, like, different. Extra points, there will be no kicked extra points. So a lot of people are griping, well, it takes away from the football, right? But it's supposed to be kicking football, extra points. So instead, teams will, have, will choose from one of three options after a scoring touchdown. They can attempt a play from the two-yard line for one point, from the five-yard line for two points, or from the ten-yard line for three points. So we're talking basketball mixed in with hockey rules a defensive return of a turnover is mm-hmm. the worth the same number of points as an offensive attempting to score um so as a ref is is, this, is are you just like completely just like what what what
1: <laughs> um so i i like a lot of what they've done i think um a handful of things that changed between when they first um they first announced some of their ideas till now really kind of, um, bother me and baffle me. I know on kickoffs, I know their big thing is to have a designated spot and try to, um, get these kickers to not, you know, as we've seen a lot of kickers in the NFL do thunder it, you know, about five yards out the back of the end zone. Um, but I do feel one of the the bullet points here on their rules list, um, they note that out-of-bounds kicks, kicks that fall short of the 20-yard line is legal procedure, but the ball will come all the way out to the kicker's 45-yard line. I disagree with that. You know, I know you're trying to make it more fast-paced, more scoring, shorter field, but I, I think if you're marking everything else at the 35, if you're wanting to make an impact on those that don't make the 20-yard line, move it 10 yards up. Put it on – the return team's 45-yard line, but don't put them all the way over across the field and already into, you know, into um, defending territory. That's that's a huge unfair advantage to me. And then um, over time, one of the big things that they are making a huge big hubbub about was that they're going to have offense A, defense B on one end, and offense B, defense A on the other. And they... Eliminated that and they're only using one in the field. But then, when in doing that, they still did not bring back, if the ball is intercepted, they can take it back for a score. So you're relying solely on the offense. Well, if you're taking away having both sets of offenses and defenses on the field, like you tested and got a six minute time result. S- are you saying that you're expecting that having only one end of the field is going to be as quick and as effective as you want it to be? Cause the only way I see that happening is if you're saying, okay, if the defense picks it off, you know, we had that as if they intercept it plays over the defense gets a point. So are we saying that we're expecting it to be as quick if we're not giving them the points? Cause I see it as you have offense scoring two points. Defense makes a play. I say give them the two points. Let's, let's make this – you want to go quick? Let's make this quick because otherwise if you're saying you're still going to be switching out college style, uh, you're just prolonging what you wanted to avoid. So I think those are the two things that really stood out to me. I think everything else I really, really like. Um, I think it's creative. I, I don't see any of them as too, too gimmicky. Um, I think in terms of all the, the, the kicking, I, I like the tiered extra point. I do wish, though, that there was still an alternate where, you know, they could, I don't know, maybe choose a mark spot to to kick it from for a certain amount of points, not just run a play. Um, Because I think think while you're still keeping the kick aspect in there, I think you're taking too much away from it where it it does come unnecessary to have a place kicker and a punter and all those aspects if you're only going to have so many movements for them. It's not worth it you're basically making him like a uh, a bench player or a practice squad player would be in any other league, but you're giving them some opportunities. And I think, you know, when it's football, you need to have a fair balance and it's just taking too much away from the kickers.
0: Yeah, so we'll see how it turns out because it's going to be interesting uh, to have the uh, referees Actually on the field, not like uh, in the NFL, we got to call New York and do all that stuff. So kind of gives them a little bit more power to the refs, and then you'll have on-field actual play. So we'll see how it, it works out. With Fox is usually very creative with cameras and everything else. So we'll, we'll you know, we'll see how it will uh, either be exciting, or it's going to be just a turnoff for fans, right? So it could be one or the other. It Could be a real exciting for fans, and then or it could be a real right. turnoff. And, Maybe some of these rules will actually force the NFL to even adopt some of them as well in a competitive way, you know, because they don't play in the same season. They'll play in the fall and in the spring. So maybe some of those rules will come to the NFL at some point, but uh, interesting how uh, uh, commissioner luck has devised some of these rules. And so uh, we'll see if the XFL branding is going to start uh, making excitement and creating a buzz for fans to dive in spring football has always failed. So I, you know, we're not like so high that this is going to survive, but to your point, obviously there's a little bit of money behind it. Uh, Some stable folks are behind it. Uh, A little bit better uh, process of thought. uh, They've thought it through. So, you know, we're going to give them a chance, of course, like we did the AAF, and figure that out. All right, guys, um, you can go to the Zazzle shop at the no joke football shop. And you guys can get up to 20% off. Every day there's daily codes. Check it out. You can buy anything on the shop there, and you can save up to 20, 20% off. So, And you can also subscribe to Zazzle Black for about $10. Get free shipping. Free shipping nationwide. And uh, you can basically get everything that's being supported by Ellen Mazzola, Lexi Demio, um, yeah, Tatiana Blaze, and all our other NoJoke Football athletes. And you can go to the No Joke Football page on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash No Joke Football, or you go directly to the shop at zazzle.com forward slash Iron Beauties at the No Joke Football shop. All right. So, Nate, uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, We are going to be diving in next week to more WFA schedule. We'll dive into the Super Bowl and everything else that's happened. So, let's dive into Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl before we get out of here. Most people are thinking Kansas City offense is going to just surprise uh, the 49ers, and there's people that say not going to happen. Niners defense is going to come in and kind of shut down Kansas City offense. What's your prediction?
1: I'm going Kansas City uh, for a number of reasons. One, I've got friends from Kansas, uh, born and raised over there. They lived up here in Seattle for a while, and they moved back. Um, they're huge Chiefs fans, uh, so I got to go that way. Also, you know, Andy Reid, swan song, perhaps you know, put a, put a ring on it to cap it off. Um, and we saw what happened with the, with the, the, the Texans, you know, whether it was by design or just pure luck, you know, they hung low and then all of a sudden came out like gangbusters and totally took them over. I think if maybe they, they read up on that and see what worked for them and use some of those tactics, you know, San Francisco may not see it coming. And we've seen, we've seen the weak spots. I mean, you look at the, the, the games, the, the 49ers have had. It's not like they've had, you know, a perfect, easy, runaway victory. They've had. Uh, they've had to fight for them. So if Kansas City can continue to expose those weaknesses and expose them to the max on the biggest stage, um, I wouldn't be surprised if if San Francisco gets rattled because you know you think about it. The last few years, they've never been in this situation or in any situation leading up to this point.
0: I'm thinking everybody's counting out the. The Chiefs' defense, and they're listening to it. I think they're going to get fueled because everybody's hyping the Niner right. defense, and they're saying this this Kansas City defense is just crap or whatever at the lower lower tier, 25th or whatever in the league. I'm thinking they're going to come in and kind of surprise. Uh, it's going to be a good game. Limit mistakes. Um, this is this is going to be a, uh, Garoppolo's moment. To me, it would be Garoppolo's moment if he can if he can take down Mahomes. It, at the, in the biggest stage, it's going to speak volumes for him. To, to come back from a season ago that was cut short and all of a sudden he's in the Super Bowl, uh, puts it, it will elevate him to a, a higher level in terms of Niner Nation. You know, not so far at, at a level like Montana or Young or anybody else, but going that, going that way. For Kansas City, they haven't been here in 50 years. So the, the yeah. pressure is on them to really win it. It's been taken 50 years to get here. On the Niners side, I mean, it's, it hasn't been that long since they've been to the Super Bowl. But Kyle's done such a good job and putting together this squad on the other side with a defense and balanced offense. And then, like you said, Andy Reid, this is his n- another crack at it. And who better to who better to knock it off than obviously knock off the the Niners?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and you you mentioned it hasn't been too long since the the 49ers were in there we got to remember the last time it wasn't exactly you know it, it wasn't a, a flawless and perfect continuous game they you know they had to deal with a power outage and that gave the Ravens new life. Um, I think uh, I, I think it's one of those wait watch and see things. Uh, you know it, there's there's discredit left and right and there's positivity left and right. At the end of the day, I think it comes down to um and I say this because we've seen, you know, one side they've had to deal with close games, the other side it's been, you know gangbusters pretty much. Um, it's a wait, watch and see. I, I don't think we can we can we can pinpoint, you know, players left and right, I think when it comes down to it, we'll just have to, you know, buckle in and along for the ride and see who blinks first. I, I can't settle well, it's, on it's, you know, anyone star. Not to
0: take uh San Francisco because uh, I'm a Rams fan, but I'm, I'm going to probably say the same thing you did. Uh, I really give the, I'm going to give the edge to the chiefs on the offensive side. They're a lot more explosive. Um, if they get going, I know the Niners defense is good but can uh, the Niner offense match up the firepower? I mean, you got Watkins, you got Kelsey, uh, and I know they have Kittle. I know they got Sanders. Um, It's just a matter of, you know, what are they going to do? You got Williams on the other side. Um, So, you know, offensively, it's like no doubt that this Chief offense, if they get going, it could be a detriment to the Niners. And so defensively, it will be a situation where, uh, can they get to Mahomes and shut him down? Or can they shut the run game down like they've been doing? So uh, Edge goes to San, uh, Kansas City. You're going with Kansas City. Um, i yep. say
1: that's where I'm headed to as well. Yeah, well, and, and like you said, it comes down to, you know, can they stop Mahomes? And I think on the other side, you know, you talk about a tough defense. I think it comes down to can they stop, you know, can they stop guys like uh, like George Kittle, Who I mean, that San Francisco line has been full of guys that have, you know, been able to execute well on the run and on the gaps. Uh, I haven't seen too many stellar passes, but the run game was, um, I know, a huge killer even, and that's not putting in the, the injuries to the Seahawks. But, you know, the run game has been stellar for them, and so we'll see, you know, who can stop the QB and who can stop the runner.
0: No right, I, I I really think that's going to be a huge uh, difference there. So we're going with Kansas City, Holly. Sorry, yep. uh, but if we're wrong, hey, we will we will eat crow right on the next podcast, and we will accept our beatdown Absolutely. if that's the case. Absolutely. All right, but that's our Absolutely. prediction right now. So if you have any different predictions, you know, hit us up on Twitter or hit us up on our Facebook page. Uh, it's going to be a great game, Kansas City Chiefs. Looking uh, 50 years since they got here, Mahomes is their rising star. What what would they not want to do to cap it off, you know, in a big big fashion? Like you said, give Andy Reid the send off, and obviously give Patrick Mahomes his first Super Bowl. On the other side, what a big yep. storyline. Defensively, all stout all all year, including that, and then Garoppolo returns for a second season, and here we are in the Super Bowl as well. So, Kyle, um, I don't think Kyle Shanahan wants to lose. Uh, twice (laughs) in the Super Bowl. No. And this time as a head coach, I don't think he wants to go down there. So it's going to be a really good game. And Andy Reid obviously deserves to win one again, and he knows it. This could be his last opportunity anyway. So it's going to be a great game, Super Bowl 54. So shout out to, before we get out of here, the Utah Girls Tackle Football League. Awesome girls out there that played at the halftime at the Pro Bowl 2020. Historic. Uh, We talked about the tragedy that is the Kobe Bryant uh, death. Uh, and then we also talked about all the other stuff that's happening in the XFL. So uh, we're going to be back next week. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more of uh, everything else. Um, so uh, before we leave, I forgot to – here's my – oh, here's my notes. So, um, uh, Nate, before we get out of here, um, Chanto Taylor uh, put out a – or filed a suit – against uh mitch mortaza and so now she's getting support from other players and all this stuff and now we had her on next last week to kind of figure that out we had steph mccormick before that and now coach hack just uh, a day ago came out and supported both players um is this going to be a situation where it's going to force mitchell to make changes to x league 2020
1: Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, You know, because this this puts up the honestly now off the top of my head the third lawsuit that has come up: uh, Mm -hmm. Robin Johnson, Melissa Margulies, and now Mm -hmm. uh, Chantel. Um, And you know, we've we've talked about it before. He makes you know he he's made broad statements. He he has a great idea. He just doesn't know how to run it without lying through his teeth, right? And so I think I think with where we're at with all the stuff coming forward, he's going to have to make changes or he's going to have to pay the piper. So
0: now you're you're having a um, it's not like just one player, you know what I mean? It's ten years later, right? And all these former players are like, hey, you know what? We're just fed up with the fact that you you were able to pay us. In some format, some creative way, and you haven't done it, and so I think really that's the last straw for some some of these players. And I is, is it a wake up call for him because if X League somehow doesn't do very well with the rebrand here and with the, everything looming on top of it, I mean he he kind of swayed off from the Johnson and Margulies lawsuit, and all of a sudden he's got another lawsuit coming here, and and you got a right. a, a four time legends football league coach saying these players are telling the truth. And this is, this is Mitchell Mortaz's Mitchell Murtaza's actions and inact and activities. And just, it just, it just paints a bad light for him in general. It would be just right. easier for him to just make accommodations and get this out of, and get it under the rug and just put accommodations out there and, and some, find a way to pay the player somehow.
1: Well, and I think you know, I think it's both. It's both a wake up call. But I think on the other end, and you and I talked about this a little bit over the last week, um, leading up to to this broadcast, is that I also feel that there's a certain point. You think about the length of time that you know the some of these coaches, including Hack, have coached in the league before they left and were disparaged, and how long the player, some of these players played in the league before they left and were disparaged so where where does the line draw between what Mitch has done and where you chose to stick through this and let the carrot be dangled in front of you instead of realizing early on like maybe your first year there when you noticed something maybe was starting to be up where Where's your responsibility in all of this so I think it's both I think it's both a wake up call but it's also time to look in the mirror and start thinking about why didn't you um, why didn't you make the decision to leave earlier instead of letting it build at this point? And now you're just, you're not even looking at yourself. You're blaming everything else around you when you could have made the choice to begin with to either not play or realize something was wrong and leave earlier on. Do you think it's just ways. a
0: matter of time before all this stuff catches up, and he's got to make a real business model. Uh, the Knights spoke out. Um, I've contacted Danica. He has, she hasn't returned my call, uh, my emails back uh, just to get an explanation from that organization about whether, you know, their participation is going to be any longer in the league or anything like that. But they're demanding the same thing. They're demanding sort of a business model, arena style business model. Uh, the players, former players are demanding obviously some sort of business model uh, just just for compensation for the players, whether it be, you know, merchandise sales. It's more of a WWE demand, in other words, like treat your athletes just like a WWE does. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, there's the brand now treat your athletes like the superstars that they are. And I don't know if Mitchell has it in him. He talked about how he wants, you know, bigger than Vince McMahon, bigger than Dana White and all this stuff. And he hasn't done it. So, I mean, to, to stand there and, and say, you're, you were going to be bigger than MMA and you're going to be one of the biggest brands above WWE. What a lie. And now it's a complete line of space. So does, at this point, he has to do something to turn it around, or he's he doesn't give a crap, I guess, if you want to put the line together at this point. And but Kochak uh, posted up on yeah. Facebook. You can get the link there on his page. Pretty much supported Chantel Taylor. Chantel Taylor came out and said, "Hey, we're doing a suit uh, for Mitchell Marta."za um, At this point, you know both credible individuals with uh, good resumes, uh, you know, championship pedigree, and everything else that they've done for, their, for the league. Um, so it's, I, I guess it's, you want to call it it's Mitchell's time to kind of wake up and do what he's got to do, or he's going to either run off and do the same thing. I mean, he ran, he got run out of Australia, he got run out of Canada. Uh, he's really got to make a decision about whether he wants sustainability and long-term, you know, cooperation with the players. That's really what it boils down to. So we'll see how it turns out. There's a lawsuit. There's a lot of players coming onto it. We'll keep tabs on it. Um, but, you know, this is where it stands right now in terms of what X-League 2020 is going to look like. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen at this point, whether the, you know, the owner, Mitchell Mortaza is going to make any changes even before the, the, you know, the New Year kicks off for the league and stuff like that. All right. So Super Bowl 54, Kansas City Chiefs. That's where we're headed with. Uh, over the Niners. That's our predictions. If you got a different prediction, hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter. I know Holly's got her Niners. Uh, everybody else probably had, some people are going with Niners. I, you know, I got, you know, people in my neighborhood going with the Niners because I'm obviously in North Cal. And everybody's, you know, Niner pride. And Kansas City, I got uh, my cousin. Who, her husband is a big Kansas City fan, just like you were mentioning earlier, Nate. Uh, so Kansas City hasn't been there in 50 years. It would kind of, nice little thing for them to win the Super Bowl after 50 years uh, worked out. And then I know totally. Is totally high on, you know, Kansas city. So she's going with them. So uh, pretty cool. Um, and then we'll be back next week. We're going to be talking more WFA 2020. We're going to dive into WNFC 2020 schedule, uh, including the news and notes. If you miss anything that's happening in the women's game. You go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash grand beauties. And if you haven't gone to the shop, I encourage you to go to the shop. It only helps us out. Spotlight another talented player in the women's game. Go to the shop at Zazzle.com for slash size grand abuse. Use the daily codes up in the upper right-hand corner. There's a code. You can get up to 20, up sometimes up to 40% off, and you get free shipping for 9.99. dollars uh, So it's a great deal. If you don't buy anything from the shop, it's not a big deal. You can buy stuff from Marbles uh, and Disney and everything else, all the other brands that they sell there. Uh, but hook us up, get something from us, and we're good to go. Nate, I appreciate you coming in short notice here and helping me out. Uh, and we'll be back next week um, if we can bring you in. We'll, we'll be talking X, X League probably in a couple weeks here, in another what, uh, 60 days or almost, well, almost uh, 30 days, because starting March it's going to be more of real, real. And we'll we'll talk the schedule as it comes out with uh, X League. So we'll dive into that schedule as well. As well as the WFC 2020 schedule and the WFA 2020. So, shout out to the Utah Girls uh, Tackle Football League. What an awesome showing at the Pro Bowl. So, spectacular. for Nate Ward, Oscar Lopez, and for the absent Holly Custis, and uh, Mackenzie Brooks, and Louise Bean, and Troy Wilson. We'll catch you here next week for 307 on the Gridiron Blitz, right here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeart. So, don't forget to subscribe. Have a great night, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.